0: G'day everybody and welcome to Church Without Walls, another episode in our series where we're looking at how we, Zion, can be the church instead of just coming to church, attending church or watching church online. I'm really hoping that you're getting the point of this whole series, which is us getting outside of a building, getting outside of our comfort zone, getting outside of our regular context, our environment. And getting into the community getting amongst others mixing with our friends and our family and our neighbors and those that we don't yet know and that we would worship god we would pray we would connect with one another we would build family and invest in family that would be devoted to a life in god's word and that we would grow so this message today is another one in that episode you can catch other messages if you haven't yet seen them uh, you can go to zionpeople.nz Or you can search for Zion Media on YouTube, that's our channel, and you can find those messages there under the series, Church Without Walls. Well, what I want to do today is I want to bring you a message that's titled, We Are Living Stones. We Are Living Stones. And I want to break down just a short amount of verses that we find in the first epistle of Peter. Peter, the friend of Jesus, the disciple who became the Apostle Peter, who took the message of God into the nation of Israel. He was a leader in the church. He, he was uh, pivotal in the expansion of the church, bursting out of the walls. And uh, if you listened to the message that I, uh, I shared recently in the series about uh, Acts chapter 10 and Peter you'll see that I'm really crediting him for bursting the church out of the walls with the with the vision and the revelation that he had and then his obedience to follow God and that. Well, here we have Peter writing a letter to the church. He's writing it to us, and uh, we would take heed from it. So... Bible has headings, it will be talking about the chief cornerstone, which of course is Jesus Christ. And in reference, I'm going to start in verse 4, coming to him, so it's talking about Jesus as the chief cornerstone, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also... As living stones are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, says God, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is really the warning to those who would not acknowledge Jesus as the son of God. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you... Are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. May God richly bless his word as we pause to look at the key things that we see in this passage as i read this passage i find five things just five simple things that i'd really like you to notice uh, so that you can think about them because this applies to you and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at what do these five things mean for us as we shift our paradigm to become the church without walls these five things are number 1 selection number 2 construction Number three, foundation. Number four, unction. And number five, function. So let's find these in the passage and then let's see what they mean for us. Number one, selection. Let's have a look again at verse four. Chosen. You are chosen by God and precious in God's sight. Jesus was selected as the Son of God to be the Redeemer. But we are also a chosen generation. And so this is the thing that we need to first and foremost understand is God has chosen us. He has invited us into this place and our res- our reception, our willingness to accept His invitation is what elevates into that place that declares we are chosen by God. Let us not miss the message that's in the gospel and in the scriptures that, um, and we read this the other day in one of the previous messages, that many many are called but few are chosen. And if you want to go back and look at the message uh, in the greater mission, the message called the greater mission, then you'll see me talk about that. Let us not be ones who are called but don't end up chosen. No, no. Those of you who base your foundation, those who come to Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, those of you who willingly acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you're chosen and precious in God's sight. You're coming to Him, the living stone, that indeed is chosen by God. What does this mean for us? Let's look at the second word. The second word in this is construction. So first we have selection, and secondly we have construction Let's look again at verse 5 of 2nd Peter chapter 2. You as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices according to God. So we're being constructed into something. So here's the imagery that I want you to Try and connect with because remember when Peter wrote this letter to the church, uh, this is uh, this is before we had prefab framing. This is before we had timber houses. This is before we even had concrete houses. The houses they built were made out of stones, and they would take stones and they would put them into a wall, and they would put them alongside each other, making sure that they fit together, making sure that they were straight in line with the cornerstone, making sure that they were on a foundation. Peter is speaking to us today and he's saying, church, you need to understand you're being built together. You're being built into something significant. Not just any old house, not an outhouse, not a schoolhouse, but a spiritual house. We are being built into a spiritual house. And and so a house is something that's tangible. It's visible. Others can see it. uh, They can take shelter in it. It provides comfort and security. A house that's made up of the living stones. Peter is using this analogy for us that we might begin to really appreciate that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're being constructed into a spiritual house. Peter then says that you would be a holy Priesthood that we would understand this is not just any old construction, but this is God's house. It's a priesthood that ministers unto God. We're going to talk about that in a minute. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It says in verse 5, Let us be very clear and let us be very certain that we're being brought together with one another. As I say that, I, I just think about... Uh, What it means for the house if there's a wall constructed by God and then one of those rocks is removed, there's a hole in the wall. The strength and integrity of that wall is diminished significantly just with one rock being removed. If those stones are not forged together and meshed so that they fit well, Then again, the strength and the integrity of the wall is diminished. There's so many analogies we can just pick out of this verse, but the construction, that we would be built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, that we would be aligned now with my third word, which is foundations. Let's look at verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So look, I'm not a builder, I'm not an engineer, but what I understand from this is that there is a chief cornerstone that is put in place when they constructed these homes and then everything hinged off that one stone. We would go this direction and we would go this direction off the cornerstone. It became the foundation stone. It was the essential element that everything else was constructed off. Uh, These days, uh, builders use profiles, they set their levels, they set their lines, they run strings, they get markers, and when when they construct the foundations of the house, everything is set up right in order that it would be square and true and in the right place. There's nothing worse than putting a house in the wrong place or getting it facing the wrong way. What we need to understand is our foundation, as the church without walls, is Jesus Christ. Jesus, who came as the Son of God to redeem us out of our brokenness and elevate us into a place of sonship with God Almighty as our Father in heaven. But he's the foundation. The foundation is not a church denomination. The foundation is not a pastor or the founding minister of the church. The foundation is not the eldership who make the decisions. The foundation is not the populace, it's not the majority, it's not the vote of the people. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church, the chief cornerstone that we must acknowledge and submit to is Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And uh, I know I'm I'm grateful for our leaders, our elders and church team, and that we all absolutely acknowledge that Jesus is building his church. And uh, as I said recently, Jesus builds the church and the church builds its leaders We're being built into something. And uh, let us understand that we've got a selection by God himself. We've got a construction together into a spiritual house. There's a foundation, which is the cornerstone. And then the fourth word is unction. Let's look at verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. This is who we are. An unction is an old-fashioned word. And it's really, uh, I suppose one way to describe it is like a mantle. It's an anointing. They would uh, recognize an unction on someone when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Or when, uh, for you remember, when young David was anointed as the future king of Israel, the prophet Samuel took a flask of olive oil and anointed his head before his father Jesse and all his brothers. The unction, and it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. There's a mantle, there's an anointing. Well, we, as the church without walls, we have an unction. We're anointed, we're set apart, we're chosen. We're chosen, a generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're set apart. One of the words we've used in 2020, which God gave us through lockdown 1.0, was consecration. Consecration means to be set apart, to be separate from. And, you know, if we read further in this chapter, we're going to see what that actually means. But also I want to make this point when I talk about the unction, the mantle, the the anointing that God puts on his people, which includes you. He says we're a royal priesthood. Uh, Many books in my library that speak of this. Um, because I suppose that's my my uh, way that I see this kingdom mindset that Jesus Christ uh, brought when he came and brought the gospel of the kingdom. Is that a king has a domain, that's a kingdom. So the kingdom is about the rule and reign of the king in the kingdom, the king's domain. Well, we are also a royal priesthood. We are appointed as representatives of the king. We are appointed and given authority by the king in order that we would rule and reign on his behalf in his kingdom. That we would advance his kingdom, extend his kingdom. It's an administration. It's about authority. It's about stewardship. It's about growth and advancement. It's all about the expansion of the kingdom of God. We're appointed in that. It says we are a kingdom of priests. And the second half of that is the priestly mantle that we carry. We have a royal unction, which is about administration, rule and reign, extending the king's dominion. And we also have a priestly mantle. And priests are appointed by God to minister to God before God. Now, priests are not there to serve the people. The priests are there to draw the people to connect them to God. But they minister unto God When the people brought the sacrifices up to the temple, the priests didn't offer the sacrifices to the people. They offered them to God. And the aroma of that sacrifice would come up before God and it says that it was pleasing to him. Why? Because the priests are there to minister to God. Part of our role and the way that we do that these days, we don't sacrifice animals and burn them on an altar and we don't cut the fat and do this and chop them up and and, do, and throw away the rest. We, we minister to God, bringing ourselves as an act of worship. Key point there, that we would have the unction, the mantle, the anointing, each one of us as priests, it's not about the minister who's ordained. There's a, there's a job with that. There's a function with that. But each one of us would need to remember that we're anointed as priests before God. And we do that together as living stones, living in dynamic, working together, operating together under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The fifth and final word that I want to pull from this verse also comes from verse 9. It's in the second half of verse 9. So, we're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, what's the whole function of what we're saved for? What's the whole function of us being built together as a holy dwelling place, a building for God, is that we would declare the praises of him who saved us, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The purpose of the church without walls is to be the light of God in the community. The purpose of the church without walls is to be in the community, demonstrating God's love and goodness in practical ways that we would point people to him. We're a sign We're not the one they worship. We're not the one they come to. We're a sign that points people to God in heaven. So we have a selection. We have a construction together. We have foundation, a cornerstone, a chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. We have an unction, which is an anointing, a mantle, the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. And we have a function. We have something to do. And what it is we're to do is to we, we're to be the light in our community. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Let your light shine before all men, that they would see your good deeds, and they would glorify your Father in heaven. So as I ponder this, I, I always ask the question, you know, I read the scriptures, and I, I think, ah, oh, this is amazing, this really helps us. But then I'm left asking the question, well, so what? So what does that mean for me? And you should ask the same when you read the scriptures. It's great to see truth. But you should also be saying, God, what does this mean for me? Well, if we're going to function in the unction, we need to be careful. And and Peter goes on to tell us that we should uh, abstain. In verse 11, we should abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We should keep ourselves pure but we should not keep ourselves separate. Interesting. He says, keep yourselves away from the fleshly lusts. But then he says straight away, in verse 12, having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles. So he's not saying separate yourself from the world. Peter's saying separate yourself from the, 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 uh, what was the phrase? The fleshly lusts that would destroy your soul. But demonstrate yourself honorably amongst the Gentiles, listen to this, that when they speak against you, by your good works which they observe, they may glorify God in the day that he visits. So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These are also the words that Peter heard Jesus say. So what does this mean? We're to be built together as God's dwelling place. Zion is the dwelling place of God. We come together in this This linking together, but that we would demonstrate God's goodness to the world around us. Here's the point. We are the message in our community. We are living stones being bound together by God himself, constructed into something glorious. And in that, you, me, together, how we live together, how we operate together, and how we work amongst the Gentiles is our message. They might not read the Bible, but they certainly read our lifestyle, our choices, our response to the world, and the way that we live together with ourselves, each other, and amongst them. Our life in the community is our message. As I close this, uh, really, uh, I'm left wondering what it could look like for us. And uh, a book that I was reading Uh, this week called City of God. It's about uh, a a, a group of believers in a city in Canada um, set up something they called Freedom Church, but really it birthed out of what they called Freedom House. And I want to tell you about something that they decided to do Friday nights in their city, essentially flipping burgers. One night they came out of a prayer meeting, they were standing outside the church building or the that was really wasn't really a church. It was an old bar that they used to meet and minister in, and um, they noticed all these kids sitting across the road on push bikes at ten thirty, sitting around doing nothing. And they thought, well, that's uh, that's that's sad. They would have nothing to do, and and then there would be a whistle or a text, and then uh, one of the kids would receive a package from someone, and they would pedal off on their bike, and what they discovered was that these kids were being used as drug mules. They were transporting deliveries, like Uber, (laughs) Uber for cocaine, to someone. And these guys who were Christians decided that they wanted to serve their community, but they decided that they probably wouldn't listen to the Bible stories they wanted to tell them, and they certainly wouldn't read the tracts that they wanted to hand out, and so they decided to serve them in love, and they decided to fire up the barbecue, and every Friday night from 10 in the evening till 2 in the morning, they would flip burgers. Burgers. They would just call out to whoever was visiting the crack house or driving past or pedaling their bicycle, they would say, hey, would you like a burger? And they would trust that God would connect them with those who he was calling into himself. They said it got known as the barbecue of the pimps, the prostitutes, and the politicians, because the pimps would come and the prostitutes would come before they started work in the night, and they would have a feed. They would have burgers and they would meet and chat with. They get to know in relationship. They get to know the church folk who are flipping the burgers and serving the meals. The politicians would come because it's a great photo opportunity to be seen in the community alongside the church. So pimps, prostitutes, and politicians all got grouped together in this uh, instance. But here's why I wanted to tell you that story. It's just one idea. And they've got lots of ideas in the book. I read about all sorts of things they did to bless their town, to be kind to their town, to demonstrate God's goodness in practical ways in that town. But here's a phrase that really struck me. He said, um, you know, they did this for years and they, they um, developed other solutions and, and served in certain different ways. But he said this, whoever shows up and stays the longest wins trust. So this can't be a fly by night thing. It can't be something you do and you think, oh, it didn't quite work the way we wanted it to. So let's just shift that. We'll try something else. And every year there's something new happening. No, their philosophy was whoever shows up and stays the longest, stays the course, Wins trust. Trust is what builds relationships, and relationships is what open doors, and open doors is how you change lives. So I am going to leave that with you. I'm praying that God stirs you, that as you accept that we're called to be the living stones of God together, constructed that we would demonstrate his love to our town, I'm leaving it with you to think, what does that look like? I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to hear what God's stirring you in. I'd love to uh, support you. But I'm not offering to do it for you. Look, I just declare God's blessing over you that he would richly bless you with um, inspiration, encouragement and love, that you would be stirred as you begin to see what he's opening your eyes to see in your community. And in all things, I pray that you'd be um, responding to him obedient to what he's leading you into and that you would step in faith into the calling and assignment that he has for you. Because he's given you the unction, now he's calling you into the function. God bless you and uh, catch another message. It's coming soon or you can see it on YouTube. And uh, look, I just really bless you as the Church Without Wolves. God bless.